A quick hello and we're good to go. Welcome to the show, Melanie Desiel. Oh, it's good to be here. I think that's the first singing intro I've had, and I, I really enjoyed it. <laughs> Brilliant. Totally good. Well, I, I think, I, I, as far as I know, I'm the only person doing a podcast, in at least the people I know, who's singing the introduction. And I remember that was two years ago now, I asked David Bain if I dared do it, and he said, yes, you dare. <laughs> Um, and it's been fun. Right, a uh, quick introduction. Uh, as you can see above everybody, we've got the CaliQ Brand Cert Clinic, which is a new program I'm going to be doing uh, in the next few weeks where I will analyze and help people with things that are wrong with their Brand Cert, their search engine res results page for searches on their exact match brand name. So we're going to start that and we've been doing it every week. But today we're going to introduce Melanie with her Brand Cert. <laughs> so I, I had a quick look earlier on. This is from New York. Uh, it varies across the, the world. And we're going to look at the left-hand side first. And in fact, you dominate it with your story fuel site. You've got two places, which is amazing. Uh, that's quite rare. Uh, then you've got your LinkedIn. Then you've got those Twitter boxes. And I see you had a couple of days off there over the weekend. So we <laughs> I did. What you're doing. <laughs> um, and you were back in action today with uh, a couple of tweets. And then on the right-hand side, we've got your knowledge panel, which is one of my favorite things at the moment. And I've discovered there's been an update to the knowledge panel where Google is now citing more and more different sources in that knowledge panel. Instead of Wikipedia, it's actually citing people's sites. And it's citing your own site about yourself. So you are an authority about yourself, which is genius. <laughs> and well, it, it, no, it's what we it's all should be aiming at, but we don't have. Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, it's pretty exciting, too, because that knowledge panel is a fairly new development. That's something that appeared for me in the last, I think, two months or so. So it's, right. it's exciting. Yeah. Oh, perhaps slightly thanks to this show, because we've been doing yes. a, a content, entity-based content uh, strategy with WordList, where, in fact, we use schema markup to point out who you are and how you're related to me and how you're related to other people. I think we might have played a tiny little role, but I think you were already ready for it because you had the book and the book came out in February, I see. Yeah. Um, but at the bottom there, we can see the people. Um, and here's, here's the bigger list of people. How comfortable do you feel with that list of people? I love it. You know, it's so nice to see so many friends there. I mean, Anne Hanley, Andy Cressadina, Jay Bear. I mean, I think most of that top row uh, blurbed my book actually, so it's a it's a pretty good a pretty good list I would say. Really okay, because yeah. th this is the list that actually Google associates with you, and the blurb yeah. of the book would explain it. It comes therefore from Google Books, where it has that information. It can see those relationships really easily, yeah. uh, and the second row comes from somewhere else. And here we do have the book. I I liked it for you today to help you along. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know what it's about, but we're about to find out. <laughs> Uh, and right. interestingly, for people who are interested in knowledge panels, I was talking to Andrea Volpini from WordLift about this, and he was talking about product panels that he looks after for a couple of brands. And here we can see the book panels are getting really ad-heavy. We've got ads yeah. for the sale of the book as well as the book itself. So these knowledge panels are kind of segueing into money-making machines for Google. How yeah. do you feel about that? I mean, it's not just saying we like your book. It's saying we like <laughs> it and we're going to help people buy it. I mean, I think... 
On some level, I'm okay with that. Folks buying the book is really helpful for me. It's, you know, in service of, of reaching my audience and, and hopefully gaining new connections with folks who may be clients, fans, you know, folks who could use some help. So I'll take it as a positive for now. The other thing that's always interesting to me is to see where it's advertising. Like I noticed that eBay was one of the options, yeah, which weird. tells me that someone bought my book and then put it up on eBay, which is just kind of an interesting thing in and of itself. So I, it, it's always it's always curious from a from a psychological standpoint to see where that comes from. Yeah, I mean, I made a cartoon <laughs> for kids, and we had a book with that and DVDs, and I was always very disappointed when that happened. But I think it's just that people have, have read it, and they think, yeah, yeah okay, I, I've, I've been through pass that. Pass it on. Now I know. Yeah, pass it on. And I think that's positive. It's uh, yeah. Uh, repurposing. Anyway, now we're going to talk about how to generate unlimited content ideas. And I was just talking before to Anton, who you saw, and, and we were saying the, the way I do it is just to invite a different guest every week. So I never have to think <laughs> about it. How do you do it? So there's a, there's a lot of different ways. And this is in large part what the book is about. But I think it kind of comes down to a core issue that a lot of us have is that we feel like we're not creative. We don't think we can come up with these good ideas. Um, or we have some other sort of mental block that gets in the way that, you know, given everything happening in the world, it's understandable that you might not be able to focus and kind of be as creative as you hope. So what I really like to focus on is having a system of some kind to activate your creativity. And, you know, I have the content fuel framework, which I talk about in the book, but there are others that, you know, may speak to you more, more clearly, and that's totally fine. Uh, the system that I use is, is really about finding a shared language for content ideas Right, so just, sorry, just coming back to the idea yeah, of having yeah. a system. I mean, I think yeah. as, as a creative person, and I would like to think of myself as a creative person, um, one's immediate reaction is to say, I don't want a system because it's not creative. And I think that's, <laughs> that's it's not wrong as such, but it doesn't have to be repetitive. I think we think uh, if we have a system, it's going to be repetitive. And that isn't the case, is it? No, not at all. I think it's it's very familiar feeling for a lot of us when someone asks you a question that's so open-ended, sometimes it's hard to answer, you know, because there's too many options on the table. And I think a lot of our creative mm. brainstorms or, you know, creative sessions start that way. Okay, I need to make something. And it's yeah. like, there's so many options, so many approaches, so many mediums and tools, like you don't even know where to begin. And so sometimes having yeah. a checklist system of some kind just puts you on the right track. Uh, and the good thing about a system is, at least a, a good system, I hope, is that it's not actually prescribing and telling you what to do. It's giving you the power to come up with options. And then, of course, you have all the freedom to select from that. So that's what I always say. We're not trying to get you to come up with a certain type of idea, but really just set your mind to to giving you a prompt and guardrails to, to come up with some. Yeah, I like the word guardrails. It, it's a framework and it's guardrails. And in, in graphic design, I know that they say we need something that's in, infinitely uh, adaptable. Yeah. Uh, and if you find that idea where you say, whatever comes up, I can always use this basic framework, you're winning yeah. the game. Yeah. And I mean, that's what I tried to do with the, the content fuel framework, you know, is right, give yeah. sort of a universal system that no matter what type of business you run, no matter what type of content you create or who your audience is or what platform it lives on, that this kind of system could kickstart that process of coming up with something that's in line with your goals and your values. Can I say something nice? Yeah. That content fuel framework. I mean, you've just said it to me and I've, I've read it and I've heard it. And it just suddenly occurred to me how genius that is. It's only three words and it says so much and implies so much. My brain just gone. Duh, 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 duh. And the whole <laughs> thing just seems really clear to me. 
so well, if I may say so, that was genius three words. Brilliant. I love it. Well, and that's good to hear because as anyone who's gone through a, a major creative project like a book or something similar, you know, you overthink those things to no end and you come up with 14 different versions and all that. So it's good to know we, we made a good call there. Yeah. And you, you wrote a book and you were saying to somebody, I can't remember, it was on somebody's podcast yeah. or interview, that it's the biggest single thing you've written. You love writing. You wrote yeah. it and, and you've written what, let's say, how many pages? Uh, so it's about 30,000 words. I know the Ooh, word count, not lot. the pages. Right, okay. 30,000 words, and you've managed to condense 30,000 words into three. 10,000 to one, genius. <laughs> At least we tried, yeah. The, the subtitle's a little long. That's a, that's our sneak our sneak attack there. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so what is the framework in, 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 yeah. in a brief overview of what this, the content fuel framework, generating unlimited content ideas into the meat and potatoes, off you go. So we talked about that shared content language that I'm trying to give us, you know, terms we can use to, to guide our thinking. So what we talk about at the very beginning of the book is that every content idea is made up of two things. The first is the focus, and that's sort of our lens, our perspective, what approach are we taking to telling this story? Yeah. And then there's a format. We're bringing it to life in some way, like we're using live video now. If someone's not watching and they're just listening, then they're experiencing it as audio, right? Mm. So... So we think as every content idea that we've ever, every content piece we've consumed fits this criteria. It has a focus and a format and every piece we need to generate also fits that formula. So what we wanna do is you know, put, set our mind to first coming up with a focus. What's the focus? What's the approach we could take? Whether that's telling the story yeah. through the lens of people, of data, of history. I would say you're telling people-focused stories here. You're bringing people on your show, but you're also doing a bit of curation. You're choosing the people that you're going to bring onto the show to create the kind of messaging you want, right? And then oh, what oh, you do... Sorry. So yeah. just the thing about that, I mean, you, you're using this as an example, and I think it's a nice yeah. example because we found this this track. It saves a lot of paper, 30,000. That's right. Three. Brilliant. <laughs> Thank you, Hans. Um, and, and it is uh, focused in the sense that it's, it's, it's always kind of about marketing. And I choose the people who I think can teach me something. Mm. Uh, so kind of it's always a surprise. So it's this kind of creative process where we've got, I mean, yeah. the framework is here, but I don't really think the framework through to the end for each episode. Um, right. And I love I loved the idea of um, what are we going to say and where are we going to say it and in what format? Because yeah. uh, I've been talking about blog writing. You, I know you write blogs. Yeah. A lot of my clients say, we write a blog, epi a blog article every week. And I'm saying, well, maybe you could think about other formats and other platforms. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. So my, my approach is to say, we should always start with that, that focus first. What are we going to say? What's the message that we need to bring to life? And then that question you ask next is, well, what's the best way to bring that specific story to life? So are, is it best told through a, through a, a written piece or is that going to be too dense? Maybe we need a video so we could liven it up a little bit. You know, maybe this is something that's not particularly visual in nature. So we want to stick with audio or stick with video, stick with uh, a written piece. So by, by really focusing on what is the focus, what is the message we're trying to share and then asking that question, what's the best way to bring it to life? It really right. helps make sure that you're you're choosing the right format that's going to let your story shine, that's going to help you connect most authentically with your audience, and that, of course, is going to actually provide them value. Uh, we'd hate to see really good content uh, that goes unseen and un uncatalogued just because it wasn't presented in the most suited format. Brilliant. And I might be jumping the gun, but the, 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 the reading up I did on you before, the third thing, the next one is what <laughs> sources can I use, which is where 
in my case, you come in or yeah. uh, uh, the, the guest from, from next, for next week near Basham is going to come in. Nice. Ask an expert. Yeah, definitely. So that's, it's a little bit separate. The, the, the content fuel framework is really just about the focus and the format, but you're absolutely right. right. My, my background is as a journalist. And so I'm always looking to say, who are the outside experts that we can bring in? Who's trusted on this topic that can help add credibility to our content? Um, another thing we look at is what's the unique angle? Uh, that's a question that, you know, your editors will ask you in the journalistic world is, you know, why does our audience care about this story specifically? And if you can't answer that question, then, you know, there's a good chance it's not going to get the results you want. So always asking that, you know, what's at stake for our audience? How can we, you know, tell a unique story? Okay. Right. Well, brilliant. So back to the framework. I'm sorry. It looks yeah. like I've, I've gone off off topic. Oh, uh, sorry. This is something that happens every week. We were ranking number six or number seven in YouTube for your name. And nice. when we go live, we rank number one or number two. And here we're ranking number two. So um, we might get some extra viewers as we're going along. <laughs> That's real-time YouTube optimization. It's saying this is live now, so it's more pertinent, more relevant, more valuable. That's um, great. Right, back to the framework. Keep going. Sorry, I, I interrupted <laughs> you. I moved you off topic. That's okay. All these things are important. I think that's, I could talk about content all day long, but yeah, the, the framework is really those two key questions. What's the focus and then what's the, which format is best to bring it to life. So in the book, what I do is I walk through 10 focuses and 10 formats to kind of give you a hundred possible combinations. Uh, you of course, right. as we talked about before, we're not trying to limit your creativity. It's not that you must use these. Uh, it's that it gives you a, a checklist of consideration. You know, could I tell this story through the lens of people of a process? Could I tell it through the lens of, of you know, an in-depth detailed story? Could I tell it through history? You know, it gives you some options to prompt your thinking. And then during the format section, it walks you through, could this be told through writing, through infographic, audio, video, map, quiz, timeline? So we're just kind of trying to spur those ideas. And, and the idea was just to, to pack as many examples and, and useful prompts into that, into that book as possible and try to make it actionable. But it, I mean, in fact, I mean, the framework is actually saying be open-minded. It's have, yeah. have a track, be a train on a track, but be open-minded because can you list those um, formats again? Because I miss them because I, yeah. I stop usually at, at writing and video and <laughs> podcast, but there were more there. Calendar. Yeah. So I'm going to pull up here. So this is uh, this is like the, the visual <laughs> in the book, right? So we've got, we list across the top. Those focuses are people, basics, right. details, which is like an in-depth piece, uh, history, process, which is educational content, right. uh, cura curation, which we talked about is kind of collecting resources from different places, data, uh, you know, anytime you're looking at numbers, surveys, research, studies, uh, product, of course, is on here because we do need to make very product focused content sometimes. We don't want right. to forget about that. Uh, an example is when we try to find a small story that is emblematic of a larger story. So instead of just saying something like all of our customers are satisfied, we find a single customer who's very satisfied and we tell their story in depth as a way to sort of illustrate that larger theme. And then the last sorry, one is- just, a, just one question, yeah. sorry, before you get to the last one, but yeah. we will get to the last one. Is <laughs> it worth saying I've got this one detail and I tell that detail to give the idea of the overall story, but is it worth telling lots of those details to build a bigger story? 
Yeah, of course, definitely. Oh, wow. um, I think it's just sort of a prompting us to, to think of how we could approach a single story. So if you've got, for example, an event that's just happened recently, of course, you could just sort of recap the event, or you could talk about one individual's experience of that event. You could talk mm. about one sponsor's experience of that event. Uh, you know, you could talk to your speakers and get one speaker to share what they learned at the event as a way to open the door, you know, at some point, Point during those example focus pieces, there's a transition, you know, and, you know, and, and Jason was just one of the 3000 attendees who, you know, came and learned with us on this date. And, and then you segue into your larger story, but you use that smaller story to, to kind of open our minds, help us relate and connect. And then we can better understand the impact of the larger story because we've connected to a smaller part of it. Do, do you find that a lot of people when they're creating contents just start with the larger story and then they write the larger story and then they're stuck. Whereas what you're saying is you can actually find details, build around it and then come to the larger story at the end. Yeah. So the exam, I mean, that's certainly a structure that works. Um, I think what happens sometimes is with our content, we do try to tell a story that is so big that either we can't capture the whole story in a single piece or our audience can't relate to it because it's so, so high up. It's all so theoretical and philosophical, or there's, you know, big numbers, there's trends, but there's nothing for our audience to grab onto. They can't relate to that chart. They can't, you know, see themselves in that content. They don't fully understand the impact of the scope. And so sometimes when we start with a smaller story, as an example, that allows them to say, okay, I can see how this has affected this person, this business, this individual example, this team, this company. And now that you talk about how many are affected in that way, I have a better frame of reference for how big that big story is. And would it be sensible to say, for example, do five small stories, then do the big story, and then do five more stories so that you don't make people wait for the big story? Or am I overthinking this, like you said earlier on? <laughs> I think there's certainly ways to approach it. My feeling is that it's much better to tell one story in depth than to sort of hint at a few stories. Right. Um, you know, to tell to talk about five different attendees I may not stay through to the end to find out the big story because I'm like, I don't necessarily care about all of these individuals. You know, it's too much for me to get invested in too many names to remember. Um, you can certainly pepper in other examples. Um, but I think when we talk about example focused content, we mean really focus in on one particular example right. that's going to provide a gateway to that bigger story. Brilliant. Okay. Can we go back to the book? Cause I was quite enjoying yeah. the old style, <laughs> not having things on screen using the yeah. real book. And so the last one here is opinion. So opinion content is, you know, things like reviews or my favorites, you know, my recommendations, anytime you're bringing your own judgment or beliefs into a piece of content. So those are the 10 focuses that you can run through and say, could I tell this story in this way? And then once you have some answers there, some yeses, hopefully, as to approaches you could take, then that's when you want to approach the list right. of the formats here. And so you want to start with writing is certainly the most common, I think. Uh, infographic is next audio, video, and I have live video as separate because I think it's right. important to consider whether it's it serves the audience to be live. Mm -hmm. We have an image gallery. So, you know, how can we find collections of related imagery that helps tell this story? Uh, a timeline. So sometimes just plotting content on a timeline with yeah. all the different uh, locations is, is really yeah, helpful. When you said timeline, I said calendar, but I actually think <laughs> I meant timeline. I hope I did. Yeah, anyway. yeah. A uh, quiz. So sometimes, you know, testing our audience's knowledge is a great way to engage them in a particular story. 
um, what is this here? Tool. Uh, tool is the second to last one. And that's when we create things like maybe a converter or a calculator, uh, a prediction model of some kind. We're really helping people engage uh, by providing them a custom output based on their own data. Um, and then the last one is just map. And sometimes if you have a story that has multiple geographic elements, we kind of forget that we can plot it along a map instead of just describing all those places in a list. Um, I think the best example of this is kind of travel or location focused mm -hmm. content where you'll often see like the five best things to do in Chicago or the 10 best museums in Atlanta or something. And they're always a list or a slideshow. And that's not particularly useful for someone from out of town who doesn't know where all these things are in relation to their hotel or, or where they're staying. And so plotting that kind of content on a map can sometimes be really, really helpful. Helpful. Brilliant. Okay, so we have 10 formats and 10 focuses, which theoretically yep. makes 100 pieces of content. <laughs> uh, but as you said, you don't get yeses for all of them. You're going to be ticking some yeah. of those and crossing some of them. So you end up with, let's say, 25 pieces of, of, of content you call yeah. approaches you can have. I mean, the idea of keeping that going infinitely, how would you approach kind of the step to say, okay, right, I, I can see that's going to last me for six months, for it, let's yeah. say. How can I yeah. look beyond that and think I'm never going to have to worry about this again? <laughs> so the idea is that you would use this framework to do a brainstorm for each piece of content you want to come up with or each initiative. So you might do this per campaign, per month, per holiday, per product, per, you know, whatever it is, event that you're running, promotion, anytime you have a new distinct message you want to share uh, right. or a new place where you need to share those messages, you use this framework. Um, and it would help you come up with all those ideas. You could repeat it. You could save those for future opportunities and future campaigns and, and iterations. Um, but at the end of the book, we also talk about something called multipliers, which is where you take one content idea and turn it into several. Um, so I'll just give you a, a taste of those. So Ooh, one that we talked about. Sorry, I would call yeah. that repurposing. That's the word I've been sure. using. No, no, sorry. Yeah. Uh, Lauren Baker from Search Engine Journal mentioned it to me last year, yeah. and I've been obsessed by it ever since. You're calling it <laughs> multiplier. And it's saying, so it, I have one piece of content and I I recreate it in multiple formats. Go ahead, sorry. So it's it's slightly different than, I think, repurposing. I definitely love repurposing. We can certainly talk mm. about that again all day. Um, but I think content can be repurposed in a lot of ways, you know, copying it to different locations, cutting it up into smaller pieces. Um, when I talk about multipliers, I mean, specifically, you have one piece of content that works well. And instead of patting yourself on the back, you ask, how can I take that idea, not the piece of content itself, but the oh, idea right, okay. and multiply that into other pieces of content. So just as an example, um, you know, there's a, uh, I'm speaking at a conference tomorrow and I saw that they put out the list of, you know, 25 B2B influencers you should be following before the event, right? Every time they do an event each month, they can recreate a new list uh, that, that applies to just the folks who are involved with that particular event. So they can adapt it by time. They could, at the end of the year, create a full year 2020, who are the top influencers of 2020, who right. are the 2021 influencers we predict are going to have, you know, the most sway. And they could they could do a map with where they That's live. That's right. They could. Oh, I, I like exactly. the map. I'm with the map. There you but, go. So, basically so it's, we, we then have a piece of content we can repurpose, and then we can multiply and then repurpose again. 
Exactly. It's, so that's where it becomes sort of a, an endless cycle. So if you have one piece that works well, the first time you make a list of influencers or a list of books to read or, you know, anything, and it works well, you say, well, how can I create that type of content? How can I take that idea and adapt it for a different time, a different demographic, a different location? Those are the multipliers that we talk about in the book is how do you take it and adapt it based on those multipliers to create an entirely new piece of content that's inspired by that original that worked well. So the multiplier creates, you know, new ideas for you. But then again, each piece you could create multiple times, you could repurpose it, you could create it in multiple formats. And then you could do that again the next month or the next week or the next year. So it, it really can create this sort of life cycle where the content and the ideas are feeding themselves in the future. Yeah, I'm absolutely brilliant. I love this. I'm getting right into this because well, we had hands, we had uh, 20, 20 for 2020, then 21 for 2021, and that's obviously every year we can do the same thing. That's right. And if you do it month by month, then you can have the timeline and you yeah. can have the map and that's you can right. have the, the video. Uh, sorry, the the uh, blog article. And if I really wanted to, I could do a video and put their pictures up on the screen. And there you go. I've already got the whole year filled up. <laughs> well, and the other thing that I think is sort of a, a next level, like mind explosion is that you can actually combine these multipliers. So let's say that you are, you are doing this list every single month. Um, but what if you did it by location as well? So every month you have the top US influencers, uh, European influencers, South American influencers, you know, and you create, so now you've multiplied it by time. You're doing it each month, for example, and yep. you've also, also multiplied it times location. So now you have five different lists for five different regions that are coming out every single month. That means you could create five different maps. That means you could, so it really can spiral and sort of create a fractal and, all of a sudden you've just got, you know, 60 or a hundred ideas from one original idea that you've thought, how can I spin this one idea into more? Which is where we get to the unlimited content ideas. It's it, yep. basically, it's have a framework, figure it, figure out kind of who you're addressing, what you're trying to say and how you can address them, what formats. Um, yeah. And then, and then use repurposing and multipliers to push this out and never stop creating content um, yeah. and never run out of ideas. That's absolutely brilliant, <laughs> Melanie. I think that's a really nice way to end it because we just got to the, the crux of the question. That's it. <laughs> absolutely brilliant. Now, everybody who's been watching, I hope you enjoyed it. Please do join us next week. Uh, we've got Nir Bashan talking about creativity and business and that it's the underestimated uh, aspect of businesses today. And I think that's a really nice follow-on to what we've got uh, with Melanie. I'm going to say goodbye to you, Melanie, with another song. Thank you very much. A quick goodbye to end the show. Thank you, Melanie.